Harvest Australia Church podcast. We're so glad you're listening today. We pray this blesses you and encourages you. And if you want to get in touch with us or find out more about our ministry, please check out our website or social media. We pray you have a great day. Today's an interesting day. Um, I've got like a bit of higgledy-piggledy to share, so just bear with me. But... um, Today is, uh, we're coming up to, well, we remember 500 years since the Reformation. Martin Luther led the Reformation of what we now call uh, the Protestant Church. But uh, also Halloween is very close. And so we've got these significant things that, that we're remembering right now. And not that we celebrate Halloween. It's called the Day of the Dead, actually. So it's the last thing we want to celebrate. But um, it's interesting watching seasons and times and watching what the Lord's doing because, you know, the enemy likes to, to have his field day as well. And, and of course, there's the, the major vote going on now or the plebiscite going on in Parliament. So we have things to be praying about. And, uh, you know, it should be easy to develop a prayer list because there's lots of things to be praying right now for our nation, our leaders, for, for what God's doing. Uh, but let's, let's just remember who we are. And, um, you know, I put a post, a post up on Facebook, you know, it peed me off that we, I went to Big W and they're scared to mention Christmas on Christmas trees, but they'll celebrate Happy Halloween. And it's, it's like, it's, it's weird. It's weird, isn't it? Um, but we know who we are. And so sometimes we need to just jolt ourselves, our own memory, into the fact that, hey, yeah, this is a, it's, a, it's a time that people celebrate the Day of the Dead. And I don't believe Christians should have anything to do with Halloween other than praying for people to encounter Jesus or something like that. Um, and, uh, but, but we don't get all fearful or anything like that. But we do, what Karen and I do is we recognize the season and we increase our prayer our prayer covering over our family and things like that. And so you, you never know uh, what sometimes just being aware of this stuff gives you a fresh sharpness. Even in this, this week, this season, we can have a fresh sharpness when we go, oh, hang on, oh, that's why I'm feeling heavy for no reason. You know, because there's all sorts of weird people out there doing weird things. But we need to remember who we are and who's in us. But activate that in our spirit. Activate that over our homes. Activate that in our street. Um, You know, because there's some weird people out there and they like to do weird things. And particularly at Halloween. So I want to encourage you this week, be praying covering the blood of Jesus over your family, over your home. We don't have to live in fear, but we do want to stand in authority. And, and so at this time, we can walk in authority if we know who we are and whose we are and who we carry. And so I just want to remind you of that this coming week to, to do that and remember that. And if you find any little just weird stuff going on, then remember, plead the blood of Jesus, do whatever you need to do. That's an old term. But, uh, but remember his victory, his victory, and declare that over your life and your home. It's not often, you know, in modern church we even mention stuff like that necessarily. Uh, but it's important that we remember. So I've got a really deeply spiritual clip I want to show everyone. <laughs> so you do know my humor by now. Uh, and I didn't actually find this. Uh, someone on our team found this and posted it. I just couldn't resist because it just fit in so well. So can we, can we just play that, guys? All right. What on earth could I take from that? 
apart from a good laugh. But here's, I actually have got a point in this. I have got a point in this. I don't know who those people are and I don't do that to mock them. And, you know, they're sincere and I'm sure they love the Lord and all that sort of stuff. But here's what I want to share about a little bit today. And it's not on skinny jeans. Mine are getting tighter. Ryan's are getting a little baggier. I don't know if you've noticed. It's sort of that the times are changing. But here, here's my, my point for today. Uh, I want to share about standing the test of time. And my point in showing that is if you've been around church for longer than a few years, you will know that there's been certain things, ideas, theologies, dress codes, music, styles that people have got so caught up with that they've been willing to go to war on that haven't been the gospel. They've been willing to fight and cut each other down, call the other demonic and really pour curses upon them in the name of Jesus, which is never possible, and go to absolute battle lengths with people, people groups, theology, styles, other denominations, etc., etc., all in the self-righteous pride that we carry if we posture ourselves to think we know best. But then when you look back, standing the test of time, some of these arguments have just been pathetic, pathetic. I mean, the example there I give, the reason I give that is because these guys are sincere. They genuinely think the skinny jeans are demonic. Now, (laughs) bear with me. I I think some of those pants that they used to wear in medieval times, the guys used to wear a pouch. And, you know, I think that's demonic. But what I'm saying is some of the stuff that we call demonic, we've got to be very careful. Some of the denominations that we've mocked, we've got to be very careful. Some of the people groups we've judged, we've got to be extremely careful that we are closer than Jesus than anyone on earth to have the right to judge them. Who are we to mock these sorts of things? Who are we to judge and say that? And now, of course, if it's clearly outside of Scripture, we have a good basis for discerning what is right and what is wrong. But it never says anything about skinny jeans. I mean, I mean, in Scotland, they wore kilts, you know, think a little bit. Is that demonic? Yes. But we laugh, but you think about the things that people have been willing to rip each other to shreds about. You can see it on the internet right now. People mocking, tearing down Bethel Church, Bill Johnson. You know, you can watch it, John Arnott. John Arnott has stood for 20 odd years and been mocked and been ridiculed for standing for a great move of God that swept the earth. That I remember years ago, I put a chart up uh, because I was so peed off at some of these people that, that you know, mocked Toronto and didn't think anything of it. And, and I, uh, some of you might have been here. There wasn't many, you know, left now who saw that. But maybe it's the skinny jeans. Maybe that's what it was. But I traced back a lot of different pivotal things in the church that we now celebrate and a lot of them came from moves of God. 
even conservative people celebrate certain things, like let's say the worship culture right now. Conservative guys are jumping on board. You know, the whole Bethel scene with the pallets and the lights and everyone hugging each other and all that sort of stuff. They're getting on board that. They're not realizing that all came from moves of God. Moves of the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, crazy times, manifestations that they would call demonic. Now they're reaping the harvest from that. And they're eating of the fruit of the very things they call demonic. And so we've got to be really, really careful when we look to this. And, and, and sometimes when I talk like this, I've, I've got to remember, and I actually sort of have this little waiver I put on the Lord, but please don't send me anything crazier than Toronto. <laughs> because... We lived and breathed through that. And I mean, it was some crazy days. It was some crazy days. And Rodney Howell Brown. And I mean, it's just, you know, these times where the wind blows very, very strong. It's not always blowing strong. We woke up this morning and, you know, the trees were just going crazy. It was a strong, strong wind, wasn't it? And things falling off and, you know, leaves floating to the ground. It's exactly the same. When the wind of the Spirit blows, things fall off. Some people don't understand. Some people judge it on first pick. Some people couldn't comprehend what's happening and don't take the time because they stop in fear. And this is what happens. If we're fearful of skinny jeans, we need to repent. They're actually really comfy. I mean, to be honest with you, I, I, remember, I remember when the phase first came out and I remember thinking, wow, I don't think I could ever wear tights, you know, that's just kind of strange. But then when you get into them, they're really comfy and <laughs> Brian's going to be wearing them next week, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Stovepipes. My mum used to call them stovepipes. I'm still not sure what that means, but stove. <laughs> Is that right? Stovepipe pants or something? Yeah. I, I shared on something a few years ago on a movie clip that, that we liked this movie for a, for a while, and it's, uh, and it's a fairly safe movie, so I'm not ashamed. I'm just trying to think of the Letters to Juliet, I think it's called. Anyway, so it's a romantic movie. And in one of the bits of the movie, uh, the, the young, young lovers are, are sort of in the car with the elderly lady who's, who's seen out, you know, a huge season of life and she's got a lot of wisdom and character and, and um, you know, the, the young ones are talking. I think I'm getting this basically right, but you'll get my point in a minute. And, you know, the young guy, typical sort of full of energy and f knows everything, um, you know, they're talking about life and how, you know, how it can be convoluted and can be up and down. And, and, and he says, oh, well, you know, the good thing is you can just sort of, you know, get into the relationship now and miss all the messy bits. And she sort of turns to him with a lot of clarity and wisdom and says, well, hang on, life is the messy bits. And it's a very profound statement, actually. It stayed with me. And... Um, because the truth is, if you're here today, you've survived the messy bits. <laughs> you've actually survived the messy bits. Well done. Give yourself a pat on the back. Yeah. Someone's happy. <laughs> they didn't get you. They didn't kill you. They didn't kill you. You've overcome. 
You've overcome all those different things. I mean, the amount of stories we would have in a room like this with this many people, the amount of stories and, and trials and tribulations and, and victories and issues and confusion and fears and sicknesses and everything else. You imagine all of that in one book. And yet through one man, each of us has found victory. Through one man, each and every one of us is still alive. It, that in and of itself is a miracle, isn't it? Because life can get messy. Life can be confusing. It can work out not in a way we think. I remember at, at certain times during when God was really pouring out here quite intensely that I remember literally looking around the room sometimes with people screaming and rolling and, and just thinking, what, what is going on? Like, what, seriously, what is going on? And in, in, Jill knows what I'm talking about, and, you know, <laughs> many of us know what I'm talking about. But my, my intellect was being offended. Offended. How dare he offend my intellect? How dare he offend what I can comprehend? And yet now we can look all over the earth, like Bethel Church and Toronto and and Iris Ministries in Mozambique, and all over the world, you know, Randy Clark, and just moves of God, and ministries, etc., 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 all over the world. So many saved, so many refreshed, and everything like that, from a time where the wind blew very strongly, and branches fell off, leaves fell off, and some didn't have a clue, but some dared to call it demonic, out of ignorance, out of fear, just like these lovely people that we've just seen calling, you know, a, a, sure, if it's way out of line on dress code, I get that. But is that demonic? I'm not sure. But just, just to take a modern day style and call it demonic, then actually you've given in to fear. You've let fear and ignorance override the Word of God, put ourselves in that place where we think we know better and actually pronounce something that now, I don't know how many years ago that was, but now it, it actually just looks a bit silly. And fashions will come and go, but the gospel never changes. So, I mean, I think flares are kind of demonic. <laughs> Seriously. You know, the way they flap. I mean, it's just, it's got to be demonic, doesn't it? I think many people will unsubscribe our podcast this week. <laughs> it's interesting when we, when we look at people like David, his momentary failure, which was a disaster, didn't determine the rest of his life. And neither does yours and mine need to determine ours. The messy bits. He had some messy bits. He repented. He ached and pained and pleaded with the Lord to be right with him again because he knew his sin. And the Lord forgave him and chose to relieve the pain from his body. He had physical pain. He was that deeply sickened by his sin. He was physically felt it. His bones felt it. 
And so he was repenting deeply and deeply. And I think this is a secret to surviving the messy bits. If it's our fault, we need to learn the power of repentance. The power of repentance. It's very powerful. It's, it's incredible when someone knows how to really apologize in a human way. But how much more so when we apologize and we repent to God. We repent to Jesus. And we come to him and we say, yep, that was messy. I had no clue how far I was in that. I was way off track. I repent and, and really, really get on our knees or face or whatever we have to do and actually repent. Take it to the Lord. Get the slate clean. Get things out of the way so nothing remains in our spirit. That's how we actually gain upgrades even through the messy bits that are our fault. We've made plenty of mistakes. I'll speak personally. I've made plenty of mistakes and it's only been through repentance and recognition of my own silliness that I've actually then been able to come clean before the Lord again, knowing that the slate is clean. I come before him again and say, all right, Lord, you know, I've stuffed up here. Wash me clean. I need your wisdom so that I don't do that again. And he does it. He gives us an upgrade. Peter failed the test of momentary shame, but shone for the rest of his life. For the rest of his life. In fact, so much so, Jesus entrusted the church to him and said, here you go. You're going to be one of the great leaders of this whole thing. And so we don't have to be determined by our failures. We don't have to be determined or put in a box because we failed. It's how well we come out of that. And I think repentance is a real key. A real key, because repentance means we're actually humbling ourselves and saying, I stuffed up. I shouldn't have done that. I'm going to try and make it right. But Jesus, I need you to come and wash me clean. And then we move on. And then when we do that, this is just like Peter did and just like David did. Two great failures that, to be honest, if we had someone fail like this in modern day relationships and church, we'd probably outcast them. We would not promote them to be the head of the church. We would outcast them. But Jesus knew their hearts and he saw repentance on them and then he saw them as clean. He saw them as they were failed, they had failed, but then he actually gave them what they were asking for or even what they weren't asking for because he knew there was a repentant heart. And so I believe this is a real key to overcoming trials and standing the test of time. As many of us who have probably known of different seasons in church life or different groups or different scenarios that have gone on and, you know, winds that have blown and confusion that's come about. But it's the people who stand the test of those things and don't get swept up in them who actually after that you look at them and said, my goodness, gee, they had wisdom. They didn't shoot their mouth off. They actually waited on the Lord. They waited to see what's happening. They waited to see. They may have spoke, I don't know, some wisdom into that storm or maybe positioned themselves in a certain way. But they're, they're the kind of people that you want to learn from because they actually know how to rise above the, the whirring of what's going on around and actually live in the kingdom realm. Say, all right, Jesus, what on earth is going on here? What on earth is going on here? And then we actually have a kingdom mindset. 
Not a man mindset, a kingdom mindset. A man mindset is worried about all the little things. You know, oh, they, they don't do that style, they only do that style, or they have that theology and they don't have that theology. And this sort of stuff, as soon as we start talking like that, we just put a little box around ourselves. We just crush ourselves in, orphan, orphan, orphan. And it's not the way we're created to be. Let me read some scripture. And we'll actually put it up there. And Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Now, I'm going to read from Passion Translation. Karen's dad wonderfully bought us the Passion Translation in leather bound. And we've been reading it. And wave, wave to everyone, John, just so everyone. That's Karen's dad, just in case. He's quiet sometimes, so some of you may not know. But we've been enjoying that. And um, Colossians 1, 27. Now, most of you will know the verse um, or the 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 modern version of this or the new NIV or King James. But let's, let's read this in, uh, in the Passion Translation. It says, Living within you in the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory. Living within you is, the, is actually, is the Christ who floods you with the expectation of glory or the hope of glory in, in other versions. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ living within you, who floods you with the expectation of glory. When we focus on our problems, when we focus on our failures, when we are concerned with those things and we stay in that place, we diminish the power of the cross to overcome them. Jesus came so that he can overcome all of that rubbish from our life. He came so that we can actually live in him and be like him and begin to think like him and do his exploits and love people like he loved people. But unless we actually crucify some of those things in our lives and allow him to crucify them, then we will stay in those things. We will stay in that place. But Christ came to flood us. That's why I like that, that explanation. Christ came to flood our lives with the expectation of glory or with the hope of glory. Eternal glory. Eternal glory begins now. Salvation begins now. It ends then, but it begins now. And that's why Jesus came, to flood you and me with expectation of what is to come. What is now and what is to come. If you've lost hope because of life's trials, then begin to let Christ flood you with expectation. If you've lost confidence in your own ability, that's a good place to be. David did as well. Peter did as well. They repented. They got on their knees and they said, Jesus, I need you again. Father, I need you again. And that's the place where he comes back to us and he floods us with a reminder of Christ's goodness. He floods us with an expectation of who we are. See, it's so interesting that sometimes we, we, we know in and of ourselves the things that have happened throughout our life. We know those things. And we begin to think of ourselves like our failures. So we have a personality response of ourselves of, oh, but I've done this, but I did that, but I, I was this and I used to be that. And so we actually have an opinion of ourselves which is basically built up of our failures, built up of our losses, built up of the things that haven't worked out. When Christ wants to flood you with the expectation of how good you really are. So your failures are not who you are. 
Your weaknesses are not who you are. Wayne and Irene said this to us a hundred times in a, in a matter of a couple of weeks. That's not who you are. And it's a, it's a phrase that we will repeat to every single person we meet probably for the rest of our lives. That's not who you are. Your failures aren't who you are. Your weaknesses, your fears, your struggles, your issues of life, your doubts, your sickness, these things are not who you are. In your spirit, you are an overcomer. In your spirit, you have in you Christ. I, I love that song, you know, that we sing, Christ before you and behind you. Because I literally, you know, picture that. And, and it draws you into that place where you realize your Savior is literally inside. Jesus Christ is inside of you. No one can ever remove him. He's inside of you. He lives inside of you. He has within him all power, all dominion. All authority. And, you know, he's given us that stuff. Luke chapter 10 says that he's, he's, he's actually given us his authority. He's given that stuff to us because he wants us to be little, little, little Christs to the world. Little lights to the world. And then we won't be determined. We won't be so worried about some of those things of the past, the failures, or maybe even what you're struggling with right now. Remember that Christ is within you. I want to read a couple other passages. And this one, I have, I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation because if I read it in the NIV, everyone's going to think of Colin Buchanan and start singing. <laughs> Isaiah 53, 6. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. All of us, no matter how good the guy's skinny jeans are, all of us have strayed away. All of us, every single person on earth has strayed from God's ordained righteous model of living from, for, for our lives. We've left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him... The Lord, the Father, laid on Jesus the sins of all of us. Every single sin, every single thing that's contrary to the ways of God has been laid upon Jesus, taken, removed, washed clean. It's a good thought, isn't it? Maybe today is a good day to remember that, to stand in that, to reveal to your own heart the nature of Christ within you. If you're a believer today and you have Jesus living within you, you have him inside of you. So everything you do, he's with you. And he is yearning for us to, to come and be with him. He's yearning for us to be like him. He's yearning for us to hear his voice, to go deeper for, for more of him. And it doesn't even mean harder work. It might just mean letting go. Let go of sin. Let go of things. Let go of negativity. Let go of judgment about skinny jeans, for goodness sake. I can feel it this morning. It's coming upon me. I rebuke it in Jesus' name. Romans 3, 23 and 24 says this, For everyone has sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in His grace, freely makes us right in His sight. It goes on and, you know, the, the passage goes on and saying within Isaiah that 
we, when we come back to him, when we repent, when we come back to him, he is graceful and loving to make us right with him. It's a simple process. So standing the test of time, a key component of that is staying right with God, staying right with him, not looking at those little momentary things that we think, oh, uh, you know, when I was, when I was a teenager, backmasking was, was really evil. Backmasking. It was on, on those things called tapes, and you could play them in reverse, and there was the odd song where you could hear this, and that was meant to be demonic. There were whole, whole crew conferences and things done about this backmasking. And um, it was really serious. I, I remember trying to get a tape to play backwards. It's almost impossible. So the devil has some very good ways of hiding his demonic stuff sometimes so that even humans can't access it. But it's one of those things that... People got really caught up on and, hey, it sounded good. It was, you know, it was kind of interesting. And, uh, but ultimately, I didn't know anyone who had ever been able to get a, a audible sound out of doing backmasking. And so, again, it's, it's one of those little storms in a teacup. We don't go to war over that stuff. We don't go to war over little stuff. We go to war over the gospel. We go to war over righteousness like Martin Luther did. He went to war over grace and faith that's free and accessible for every believer. That's worth going to war for. But we don't go to war as to whether we like this show or that show or this movie or this movie star or that. You know, this sort of stuff should be so minor in the, in the life of arguments between believers because we're meant to live up here, aren't we? We're meant to have a mindset up here so that these little things that go on, we can almost sort of smile at. You know, okay, we might not like it. We don't agree with it, but, uh, you know, it's okay. Let people, uh, you know, it's fun letting people argue when you're not involved. You just let them argue. Let them sort it out. And then later on, you're like, they're like, oh, why did we argue? And you're like, yeah, uh, that's how you stand the test of time. Standing the test of time. Standing the test of time. Three quick questions I've got to ask that I think I suppose, important in recognising how not to repeat some of those cycles and failures of the past. To have a look at what hasn't worked in the past. Have a look at when it's gone wrong. Have a look at when a relationship or a scenario or something where it just hasn't worked out. Why is that? What was my part in that scenario? Not, not pointing the finger, not worrying about anyone else. What was my part in that situation that I could have learned, could have done better, could repent of and make sure that that doesn't work out. These are healthy, healthy character steps to stand the test of time. Standing the test of time. I went back to my factory this week and uh, we sold it six years ago now and there's still a lot of guys who, are, who I employed and uh, gave an opportunity to and, and whenever I go there, they sort of come up and say hello and... Uh, and one of the guys, he came up and he said, wow, I'm retiring in a, in a, at the end of the year. And I'm like, my goodness. I remember literally 
giving the guy a job and promoting him and giving him things. And, but he stood the test of time, the changes. I mean, we, we dramatically changed that place and it ruffled a lot of feathers when you, you go ultra modern and really increase the size of things. And, but he was willing to stand the test and we shuffled him round. And you know, I remember thinking, how is this dude even still here? Everyone else got offended and left. But you know, we just, he, and he stood the test of time. Here he is retiring and he's blessed and he's done well. That's standing the test of time, not getting offended at the little things. Save your offense for the huge ones, you know, like once every 10 years. That's how we'll stand the test. What can I do differently next time round? What can I do differently when I'm faced with a scenario like that where I failed last time? What do I do differently? What do I do differently to grow, to be a bigger Believer in Jesus, to let Christ in me actually resonate in this situation. Rather than react, maybe I say nothing. Maybe I come in and and speak peace over the situation. Maybe I pray and intercede. I don't know. He'll show you what to do. But there's, there's great wisdom at our fingertips when we'll ask him. How can honor in all dealings mark my life from here on? How can honor mark my life in all the dealings? Honor. It doesn't mean people-pleasing. Some people, as soon as you think honour, it means you cannot ever offend anyone. No, that's people-pleasing. Honour. Honour God, be righteous, and honour people. Doesn't mean everyone's going to understand. Doesn't mean everyone's going to, you know, enjoy your fashion and everything like that. But ultimately, you know, you stand before God. I'm honouring him, and I'm honouring people as much as I can. And therefore, I'm going to stand a test of time throughout keeping my honour Keeping my honor, keeping my honor. When I lose my honor, you go back and find it because I lose it all the time. I have to go back and find it. Go back and find it. Make sure we're keeping honor in the center because when we're doing that, we stand before the Lord righteous. We stand before him knowing we've done what we can. How about you stand this morning? Just close your eyes and maybe, maybe some of your are still, um, still think of yourselves as your failures. <laughs> still think of yourselves as, as some of those weaknesses, some of those issues. But I, I want to just decree over your spirit today that that is not who you are. It's not who you are. If you've repented of it and laid it at the foot of the cross, it's no longer yours. It's no longer yours. You are in Christ and he wants to flourish in your life or flood your life with expectation of what is to come. So, Lord, we just ask that any of that stuff or if there be sin, if there be stuff that we need to deal with today, Lord, we lay it at the foot of the cross. We repent. We turn away completely from sin from doubts, fears, negativity, stuff that gets in the way. It doesn't matter how many times we've turned away. We do it again, Jesus. We do it again, Jesus. And we ask that you would come like a flood this morning, like a flood this morning, and you would flood our lives with the expectation of what is to come. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. Lord, we pray that you would enable us to be a people who are filled with you. Filled with you, filled with you, filled with you. I'm just going to ask the worship team to come up. And Lord, we thank you this morning that you're here with us by your spirit.
thank you that you're here. And Lord, we ask that we would stay open to you, that we would remain hungry for you. Lord, keep us as a people who are are willing to risk in the name of your presence, willing to stay open to everything that you have for us. Wash away judgments and any fear, negativity. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray this week you would flood us, flood us with your presence, flood us with the nature of Jesus, flood us with the nature of Jesus, flood our beings with more of you, Jesus. Jesus.